This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Episode 58 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today, we have two well-established women in horsemanship that you're going to love. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to The Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, a wonderful woman herself, Jen, today. Hi, Jen. (laughs) Hello. I'm so excited about today's show. It's the all-women's episode. Yes. We've got some powerhouses today with us. This will be fun. Jamie calls those, what she called it, Girls' Day. It's Girls' Day. Woohoo! And you have one of my best buddies, Helena B., coming on. I know. I'm so glad to finally get her on, Jen. She's she's just amazing. I've been listening to Stable Scoop, uh, gosh, for, I don't know, a couple years now when I first found you guys. And I thought, actually, that was, you know, that was the big show. I, I really was... Um, introduced to Horse Radio Network through Stable Scoop, mm-hmm. as I recall, yeah. and uh, it probably I actually was a, a guest I think with with Glenn and you originally, so that was probably Horses in the Morning, but I don't even remember that part. I remember Stable Scoop and listening to Helena. So, uh, so it was kind of fun to me. I felt honored to have her on. So much fun that uh, she has found some really fascinating ways through the uh, the uni to. Oh, yeah. improve her relationship with her horse Brody. I love Brody, her, her little Appaloosa horse. I got to play around with him a little bit when I went up to visit her last year up in, in, uh, up in Rhode Island. In Rhode Island. Yeah. And what a lovely little fellow. And uh, he, he could have been a willing partner. Oh, that is sweet to say. Yeah, he seems like a real... Well, we were calling him old soul, weren't we? Yes. Remember those willing partner demeanor is, yes. is sweet. And, and, and anybody who's a lesson horse, bless our hearts, you know, they, uh, they have to be super patient. But yeah, he looks, he looks solid and, uh, you know, I know she keeps him healthy and he's a very was, sturdy little guy. He's sturdy. He's That's a, a good, very sturdy little guy. And he's, he stands out up there because that, that part of the country where she lives is chock a block full of, Big fancy field hunters who are seventeen hands and wear five hundred dollar yeah. horseshoes on each foot. <laughs> so, yeah, so he really stands out. But he he's a joy to to work with, and it's so cool that she's discovered all this stuff. And Helena's enthusiasm is so infectious. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm glad yeah. To I, talk to her. Yeah, what I was what's fun with both of our guests today that's fun for me is they have come through horsemanship for wow. I bet there's a combined. Uh, 40 or 50 years anyway. And, you know, and I'm not speaking out of school on these ladies. They, um, they're amazing horsewomen, but they really were, um, not versed in what the, what we're teaching on the Equus Online University and, and what, um, I hate to call it natural horsemanship because it's more about the language of the horse, equus. And people go, what? The horses don't have a language. Yeah, right. they actually, it's a yeah. gestural language. Right. And these people are, Karen and our guest today, I should say their names out loud is Selena B and Karen Hanks, Dr. Karen Hanks. They, their interest in the concept is just so heartwarming. First of all, that they wanted to learn, that they were open minded to it. But there was a bit of skepticism when you, as in most horse people that have never been sure. introduced to a new idea, you know, Jen, I mean, this is, this is new for a lot of, a lot of listeners that, um, people think, oh, it's another methodology. It's another, you know, packaged clinician kind of way at things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good horsemanship, but you know, mm-hmm. but I like to flip it on its head. And for me, it's like, no, it's not about the human, <laughs> you know, right. nice try, but it's about the horse and mm-hmm. it's, their gestural language, um, they have this predatorial um, environment all set up in their DNA. And we don't, all we can do is play off of it, you know, and, and we hope to influence in a good way, bond with them through understanding that. And I think that's what you're going to hear a little bit today, which is really cool. It's really cool stuff. So let's get it started. Yeah. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate, He's a Sugar Bear. (laughs) You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. 
you need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an Index Fund Advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Up next, we have Helena B. And Helena is a native New Yorker, and she later relocated to New England after college. She's had a successful career in marketing and in the IT industry, and that led to her founding a company called Sparkle and Boom. I love that. A marketing firm that caters to small businesses, and she does do work with a lot of equestrian clients as well, and that's where we know her. Helena lives on a small farm in the southern New England area with her teenage daughter and two Appaloosa geldings and two cats and a variety of uninvited but always welcomed woodland creatures in her area. So um, she has a sweetheart named Buck, and Buck is a guy. He's not one of the pets. He, <laughs> he, makes, <laughs> he makes frequent trips to visit her at the farm, and she just loves him. And there's a lot of laughter in their house, and I just love Helena. She, she is forever a student of all things equine, and she focuses on learning all about disciplines, which is uh, something I really appreciate. She calls herself a fox hunter at heart, but she rides primarily for the pleasure now, and we're trying to bring some of that joy back to her with this story of join up. Well, welcome Helena B to Horsemanship Radio. I'm so glad to finally get you on. Thank you very much. I am so nervous and excited to be here. It's like I've never done a podcast before. In my oh life. my gosh, you're just not used to being interviewed. You've just put everybody else on the hot seat, right? It's true. It's true. <laughs> you and Glenn both. So now you're on your own and you're the interviewed E. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'll totally mess it up. So no, you won't. No, you won't. But somehow have- I'll find a way to blame Glenn. Yeah. And besides, we can edit everything out, but <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> we won't. No, we're going to have some fun today because I wanted to talk to you about um, a post that you put on my Facebook page that I hope everybody gets to see because then they get to see your horse, Brody. Could you describe Brody for us before I get into the questions? Brody is such a love. He is um, He's a 17-year-old 15 to hand Appaloosa gelding that I bought off of Craigslist. Believe oh, really? it or not. Yeah. Oh. He'd, uh, he'd had a couple of jobs prior to me getting him. And that background is sketchy. All I know that it is that he was a trail horse for, um, a year or two. And then he was a lesson horse in a Morgan barn. Mm. <laughs> oh, funny. He was, yeah, he was, uh, going to the Morgan shows. They were actually taking him along because he was such a good lesson horse that he would, he would go to their shows with them. Um, so I picked him up for a song and he was a little stunned when he got to my house and saw lots of grass and the freedom to do whatever he wanted. And so I got to see his personality develop, um, really just come out. I got to see him blossom and he's a very gentlemanly type of horse. Well, a lesson horse too. He's he's a patient boy. <laughs> I love that already. <laughs> he's a patient boy with a hard mouth. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. But you've ridden him though. So what what discipline did you ride him in, or if any, or what saddle? Um, well, I I ride English, so I'm I'm a hunt seat rider. I I guess you could call me a fox hunter at heart, but I do a little bit of everything. Mostly now, it's just been trail rides, just yeah. for pleasure. Yeah. So tell me what fox hunter at heart means. Well, um, I started riding in the hunters and jumpers and equitation ring and, um, that was fun until I broke a couple of bones and decided to figure out what this having a good seat means. And Mm then, um, I started riding with a centered riding instructor Mm -hmm. and that completely changed my life. Um, you know, I went from jumping a course to getting back on the lunge line and doing, you know, seated work with no Mm -hmm. hands. So, um... Then I got into a little bit of dressage here and there, did some yeah. shows. That was fun. And then I met Coach Jen from Horse Tip Daily. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, we both worked at a fox hunting barn. And uh, it was trial by fire. They they needed somebody to kind of get out there and get some of the the hunt horses out and schooled out in the hunt field. And, you know, if you if you were a, a warm body, that was your job. <laughs> it's a pretty exciting job out there, too, right? It is so much fun. It, it is clearly to me, it's the best because the horses really enjoy their jobs and there's very little restraint. They get to do what they like to do. They get to do it in a group. And, um, you know, there's, yeah. there's some things you have to, obviously there's a lot of training that has to go into making a good field hunter, but it seems to be the most natural of, of sports. So yeah. I, there's just a lot That's of freedom in it. A lot of, uh, yeah. A lot of people always worry about the, the fox as soon as you say something out loud about, uh, fox hunting. But um, tell us a little bit about what she, did you do a drag scent or what yes. was this? Mm. Yep. I ride out with, um, well, my, I, I learned riding out with myopia hounds, which is a drag pack. So mm. we don't hunt live quarry, they call it. Um, but in, in America, it is, um, it's really fox chasing. So yeah. <laughs> the, the point of it is, is to, um, for the hounds to, uh, well, first they have to find the fox and then their job is to drive it back to its den and then they're pulled off. Um, yeah. In the UK, where hunting is not banned, uh, the hounds are allowed to drive the quarry to ground, but they're also then – they can send in like terriers and other breeds mm -hmm. of dogs to go in and finish the job. But yeah. to, for, the most part, for the most part, yeah. we. I, mean, I can't even – I feel guilty – Killing fleas. So yeah. <laughs> I, I can't kill anything for sport. So I've ridden um, just with drag packs. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wanted to just say that out loud so that we, we get the fox hunter at heart because we've had um, an M, we've had a master of foxhounds on Horsemanship Radio before who I love. Her name is Melody Fleckenstein and she's up in the Northwest, up in the Seattle area. Okay. Beautiful. And, and I love what you just said that it's like kind of the most natural of, of disciplines because you're just out there. It's like a really fast trail ride with an object in front of you right? and a bunch of dogs. So, it's well, yeah. You, and you know what? When that object is the horse's butt in front of you, that's well, kind of yeah. cool too. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's true. They do, you know, it's very much the herd mentality. Um, and you have to be able to respect. Um, you have to be able to understand how horses work in groups and respect their ability to make decisions within those groups, mm. as well as rely on the partnership or the relationship between you and your horse. So there's a lot of dynamics. There's a lot of there stuff go. going on. I love um, that. I so you love, don't I just go. You know, you got to think a little. Yeah. Unless, unless somebody just throws you into the middle of the pack. <laughs> like you got thrown in. But So now tell me about Brody because um, what I loved is anything with – a horse in snow, I think is just gorgeous because, you know, we don't live in snow. And so that just looks unreal to me. And I loved what you had said that um, in the interview that I heard earlier is that you said every horse that's walking in snow or trotting in snow looks like a Grand Prix dressage horse because they pick up their feet. And I just got this beautiful vision of what he looked like in the snow. But take us back before snow time, back in the summer, when you had a play around with join up. Um, I'd love to hear it from a real, you know, a longtime horse person, but novice join-up person. So um, about a year and a half ago, I was taking my daughter out um, on the trails behind our house, and it started to rain heavy. And it, it was unexpected. It was the kind of thing that moved in really quick. Mm. And that's not typical for the Northeast. You usually know when a heavy rainfall is coming. But because we live right on the coast, um, we have our own little microclimate. And I've discovered after living here for six years that um, you can be surprised by strong weather. Mm -hmm. We were that day. So uh, I was on Brody and my daughter was on her horse. And I stood up in my stirrups and turned around to tell her to just shorten up her reins a little bit and pay attention. Well, I should have taken my own advice because oh. <laughs> the rain that came spooked some deer in the woods who came flying out in front of us who then spooked my horse and of course, you know, I ended up on the ground, which is mm. fine, but I happened to break a bone that I had broken previously. And that kept me out of the saddle for quite a long time. And it was such a small thing. I mean, I barely fell. It was, it was more like a, an emergency dismount. <laughs> um, yeah. But it shook my confidence in a way that I, I, I really hadn't, I hadn't been this unconfident. 
Yeah. What's the word? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I didn't have this. Scared. Scared. <laughs> yeah. Scared. Because I just was like, every time, you know, every time I come off, is that going to mean six months out of the saddle or right. what is this right. going to mean? So that translated into some new language, some new dialogue with Brody that I hadn't planned on because when I got back in the tack and started riding, he was more anxious than I'd ever known him to be. Mm-hmm. So I figured there's got to be something that I'm communicating to him that I'm not really aware of. And it is an anxiety. And perhaps this is coming from, you know, my, my fall. Yeah, so, probably. I mean, it happens to all of us. We, we all know the feeling, whether we get over it in six hours or, you know, 16 months. It's, we've all and, lived through it. Yeah. And you feel like I, I've, been, I've been through this enough. I should be able to, you know, yeah. fix me up, get back on, get your head straight and figure out what you have to do. Yeah. So that wasn't happening as quickly as I would like it to because I'm an impatient type A person. <laughs> um, and I, I said, you know, I, let me just reach for this. I had giant, uh, signed up for the Equus University a while ago as part mm-hmm. of Stable Scoop. And I said, let me just see what, what we got here. Maybe there's another way I can – what I really wanted to do was block whatever I was – you know, whatever bad things I was telling Brody. I needed to block that. Okay. So, of course, I went through the first four lessons of the Equus University online, and I was mesmerized. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was just – I was mesmerized. It was so simple. And the little videos are in – they're just long enough that I can digest what's in them. So, you know, sometimes you go on these these tutorials or you, you can read books and there's just – you get so overwhelmed with information. Yeah. Um. I thought, well, let's just give it a try. And sure enough, Brody was like, oh, my God, what took you so long? I've been waiting to join <laughs> up for four oh. years now. <laughs> it was really a very simple thing. He was licking and chewing and, and those circles were getting smaller. And yeah, it was just – it was amazing. I was kind of surprised. Yeah. So physiologically, you were starting to sync with him, which is what's going on there. It's, it's, it's no um, – difficult thing to figure out if you if you'd put a heart rate monitor on both you and Brody uh, horses are animals of synchronicity aren't they herd animals have to all um, catch the adrenaline you know when one sets off the alert you know they all gotta go and so the adrenaline gets a rush in it so we can do that we can do it without even knowing that we're telegraphing our physiology they can read cortisol levels you know horses are amazing that way so you you were doing that but you were trying to bring it down did you notice so people are trying to wonder here what, what you were doing there with the licking and chewing and the, and the circle, I imagine. And so tell us a little bit, right? And it sounds a little odd so far. And it, it, this isn't a psychic thing, right? Let's get that. No. Clear. Oh, my God. Okay. And I'm, I'm the biggest skeptic there is. If, it's, if there's something that you can package, put a brand on, you know, if, there's, if you have a registered mark on your type of horse training, I'm going <laughs> to run as far away from it as I can. Yeah. So the fact that I decided to try this was was a big enough hurdle to begin with. Um, there's no hoodoo going on. Yeah. It's um, it is very physiological. The so what I learned now I'm I mean I'm talking a hack here. This is like just very short amount of time studying this um, is watching Monty position his body, um, how to send a horse away how to, uh, what to do with your eyes so that you're communicating, I want you to go away or I want you to stop. Um, so they're just very basic tasks that you're using your body language to communicate to your horse. So I studied them very carefully. I, you know, I'm not one for precision. So, you know, if your dad said, position your body at 45 degrees, I went out there and I was like, all right, I'm really going to try this. I'm going to do this at 45 degrees. I'm going to look at his shoulder. I'm not going to look at his eyes. I'm going to open my hand or close my hand. Now, for those of you who don't know what join up is, these are all little um, techniques, little body language cues that are actually part of the the communication process with your horse. Mm -hmm. So I studied very carefully. I decided to be precise just to see what would happen. And I found that through... The focused attention that I had on being precise, I calmed down. Mm. And therefore, the message that I was trying to get to Brody was very well received because I was focused. And then what I found was that probably two or three turns of him around the circle. Now, I don't have a round pen. I have a big field. So I'm already 
a little extra challenged. Yeah. But two or three, two or three circles around me, I found that the body movements um, in join up were very intuitive. So understanding where my horse's balance center was, um, his pace, his rhythm, I found that to become very much a part of, I didn't even have to think about it. It wasn't in my conscious mind. Mm, good. That's because you, you've been around a horse and you, you're starting to intuit what his, uh, his reaction to you is. Yeah. And, but it happens quickly. So like, even if you haven't been around a horse as much as I have, I think it's one of those things that, um, you do get it. You get it like right away. Oh, okay. I see how this works. Mm -hmm. You begin to feel where your horse is in in time and space through this, through the join up. Mm-hmm. And you didn't think that would happen. Did you think it would be more superficial or what would, what did you think would happen? You know what I did? I, I thought nothing. I had zero expectations. Mm, good. I had to try to really clear my mind. Um, prior to actually going out there and doing this, what I thought might happen or what I thought was happening for people who, who did this was that, um, they just spent a lot of time with their horses and it was basically conditioned response mm-hmm. training. Right. You know, you do X, I do Y. You do mm-hmm. X enough times, I'll do Y enough times, and there we have a pattern. Right. This is not that at all. What is it? I don't know, but it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> That's good. It's, it's, okay, maybe I can figure this out while I'm on here with you. What is it? It is, um, it's an understanding I think between what I'm asking mm-hmm. and what I'm asking, I'm truly, truly asking, not telling my horse to do something, which I think I've done in the past unknowingly. Okay. So, you know, okay, you will make a circle. I'm going to stand here and pretend like I'm asking you to make a circle, but really, I want you to make a circle so bad that my subconscious mind, my body language, Everything except my verbal cues are going to tell you you have to do this or there's going to be trouble. Right. Exactly. So, what, what would happen if you, if you did that? If you got into that mode of you must or I'll hurt you? Or not even I'll hurt you, but this is, gosh darn it, I'm the human. I have the bigger brain and this okay. is how it's going to be. Right. You know? I'm the boss. So there is even it's, it's mental aggression. It might not be physical aggression, but it's mental aggression. Right. Does it work? Hell No. No, <laughs> it's, you know what? It, it it works for five minutes. Yeah, it, okay. it might work for an instant. Um, That's with a trained horse who kind of understands that their place. But instinctively, with a wild Mustang, it wouldn't it wouldn't work at all. Absolutely, I man, I would love to try this with a horse who was not trained. Yeah, because. I would love for you to do that. I would love for you to do that because it's a rare thing too. Uh, most people don't get to get around wild horses or feral horses anymore because, uh, you know, they're born in domesticity and they, they, you know, Europe, it's almost, it's getting really tough to find them. And that's one of the things we have here at Flag is we, we are able to use BLM horses too. But I think, let me help you with a little bit and then you can play with Brody again on this because I want to have you back. I, I want to hear the evolution of how this works for you. But it, our bodies are built as predators and horses know that, don't they? It, our bodies have fingers that look like claws and we have shoulders like a bear, um, claws like a cat. And it's a predatorial language what you're doing out there. What Your gestures um, and your body that you, you had mentioned how you were moving it. Um, and uh, horse people instinctively know a little bit about horses' movement around them can scare them. But um, you're actually telegraphing instinctual um, reactions in their body. So you're actually using the horse's language. When a mare gives the stink eye, which we all know about the <laughs> ear, any ear spinning back and all that, you know, that's that's herd language. That's that's not something really in the DNA. That's a learned language. If you if you have a a, a foal that's born blind at birth, um, he actually doesn't get to learn his language. And there's there was a cataract horse that uh, had his uh, cataracts removed at a later age. You know, like he was two or three years old at that point, and um, he didn't know his language. It was really interesting to put him in the round pen and see that he had no clue as to what we were doing. But every other horse on earth has um, that language in their DNA. So it really is theirs, not us. So it's not, when you, when you say it felt more natural or, you know, it felt intuitive, it's because it is their instinctual 
gestural language, like signing for the death that's happening. Yep. It's not us imposing it. It's us interpreting it and, and trying to get it right. So it'll be fun to, um, it'll be fun if you do get a chance at a, at a more, you know, untrained horse to, to even just a young horse that's, uh, as long as people wait until a, a baby is weaned, you'll get, you'll get some pretty good, uh, clean reaction to a join up too. It doesn't have to be a wild horse. It could be a horse that's untrained, but, but let that baby grow up and be a baby first and get all his horse language, uh, learned up from his mom and, or his herd mates. And then you can, um, do a join up when he's weaned. And I think you'll get a lot of the same reaction. Oh, if it, I can imagine, like I was so moved with, um, with what happened between Brody and I, the next time I got in the saddle, we were both completely different beings. He was calm and relaxed. I was calm and relaxed. Um, he's more attentive to me at feeding time, at roundup time, whatever we're oh. doing. He's he's more attentive. He that first day, no, the second day I did join up, I got follow up, uh-huh. and I walked around the entire field, and that horse had his nose at my shoulder. The whole time. Oh, and of course, that's fantastic. I had to do like, you know, Simon says and follow me and do figure eights and patterns and stuff. <laughs> and bless his heart, he just, he had his nose right at my shoulder the whole time. Now, this is a horse who's typically rather standoffish. He's not an in-your-pocket, you know, puppy dog type of personality. He also doesn't like to be touched. You know, he'll stand next to you, but if you touch his face, he's like, yeah, no, not so much. Mm. But I found that he does like to spend more time in my personal space respectfully, yeah. but more so than prior to doing this work. So I feel like there's a, um, there's a connection that's been made that is sustained because yeah. we did, we did the join up, um, lessons for, you know, a couple of weeks and then we did nothing. The rain and the snow came mm-hmm. and for months and yet we still have this connection. Fantastic! Yeah, you'll you'll never really lose it, um, and I and I would like to follow up with you too and see where you take it because you can. You'll have some fun doing obstacles uh, on the ground. Uh, you know, there's a lot of fun things you can do to play with this and keep that. You don't have to do join up. You know, five to seven times really is the typical amount of that you'd ever do with a horse and join up. Maybe a refresher a few years later if they get disrespectful or something, kind of forget, you know. But that yeah. doesn't happen very often. It, it really is. You're kind of done with that conversation for life. Um, but you can use the join up concepts then for life. And when we say join up, it's not a package. It's their language. Equus is what dad calls it. Um, Monty calls it. And uh, it really is their gestural language. There, there are accents, sort of interesting. There's accents depending on their predatorial environment. Uh, in Namibia, they don't have uh, the big cats or anything. They just have a little snake. So those horses will walk up to you. They don't have the same predatorial response that, say, a Brumby does in Australia or our, our American Mustangs do here in Nevada and Arizona. So it, it's interesting to see the accents. But Basically, world over, they they all know the four signs of join up, um, and we'll have to go into that again some other time. Would you Absolutely. be back? Can I oh have my you gosh. back, Alina? Yes, I can't so. wait to tell you about my next adventure, okay. whatever that will be. Exactly, we'll have to write it. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, we're trailer shopping, so and and Brody's not too keen on loading into um into trailers, so I think we'll we. I'll be on Equus University. Yeah, there's up a on lesson that. for that. It's like there's an app for that. There's a lesson for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm packaging again. Sorry, but, but there is. We have about 390 lessons up there now, and people can go to MontyRoberts.com or uh, MontyRobertsUniversity.com, and um, I want to I want to follow how you um, absorb those lessons. There's no there's no process that you have to go through. It's completely choice based, as it should be. <laughs> we are with yeah. horses, so um, yeah. Let us know how that's doing for you and if there's anything that you need. But I mostly just care about Brody at this point. He sounds like a wonderful man. Oh, he is a love. And he, ugh, he's just, I mean, everybody has a horse like this, you know, like Aww. the horse of a lifetime. He's a legend in his own time. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining us, Alina, on Horsemanship Radio. And um, I look forward to having you back real soon. And I'm glad we got put together finally. Me too. Thank you for having me. It was beyond a pleasure, Debbie. Thank you. 
We all hear about omega-3 and how important it is for your horse's nutrition. But why? Well, simply put, horses were created to get all of their nutrition from live natural grasses. Omega-3 is an essential fat found in many types of live grasses, and it's critical to the horse's health. If they were living on live grasses 24-7, they would be receiving enough omega-3. But in today's world, most horses are fed commercial feed and forage as their primary nutrition, and most of these are lacking in omega-3. That's where Omega Fields comes in. All of Omega Fields' flax-based products provide a balanced essential profile of Omega-369 and may be helpful in alleviating problems related to skin, coat, hoof, joint, and sand colic. One of Omega Fields' terrific products is Omega Horse Shine. Omega Horse Shine is an Omega-3 stabilized ground flaxseed supplement for horses to help maintain a shiny, healthy coat, strong, solid hooves, and top performance for horses in all life stages. Omega Fields provides the best human-grade, non-GMO ground flax that can help horses with dry, scaly, itchy skin, joint pain and inflammation, poor hoof growth, allergies, and more. Don't just listen to Debbie and I. Alexandra, a customer of Omega Field, says any horse I ever own, I will feed them Omega Horse Shine, and I will recommend it to anyone. You can get your Omega Horse Shine today at OmegaFields.com, or just for our listeners, get 15% off using the coupon code MONTY2015. All one word, it's MONTY2015 for 15% off your next order at OmegaFields.com. That's OmegaFields.com. Dr. Karen Hanks is a specialist in helping humans and animals define their perfect form and movement through a variety of alternative methods. Well, welcome, Dr. Karen Hanks. It's been a long time coming, but I finally got you on the radio. How are you? I'm so well, and I'm so excited to be on the radio with you. You have no idea. I just can't wait to be sharing some time and chatting with you. Well, I can't wait to share you with our listeners because uh, you just, uh, when I think of Karen, I think of just joy. And when you see her photo on our show notes or if you've seen her website, you'll you'll agree with me. She just exudes joy. And, uh, you know, I, I had to do a little homework and I wanted to see what are your roots that uh, – that bring that joy out of you. And you have an amazing background. Uh, didn't exactly follow all traditional avenues, but tell us a little bit about growing up in the Hanks household with, uh, with your family. With my, with my, my family. Well, I'm an only child, and um, I grew up kind of in rural America uh, on the East Coast in New Jersey. And my dad died when I was very young. and um, Well, not very young. I was 11. And it was like this amazing thing for me because my dad and I were so, so close and I had premonitions that he was actually going to die and I was there and my mom and I found him and it changed everything in my life. Not to say that I wasn't joy-filled and looked at life in such an amazing way, but moments before we found my my father dead, my, my dad and I were laughing and choking and so full of life. And I thought, you know, and my mom actually yelled at us that we were being too happy, I guess. <laughs> I she was trying to sleep, poor mom, right? She was exhausted. But it, it made me really realize that in any moment, everything can change so dramatically that each moment is so incredibly precious. And to really, you know, never, 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 never take that for granted. So Thank that you. was the kind of the grist for the mill for me to really measure probably every, and still is, you know, that's my, I guess my, the joy that my dad gave me, even though he left me so young, was, uh, and his family was to really know that those things, that lesson can always live on, and in any moment, there's like, what's so big, right, I guess Mm -hmm. from in a a conversation, what could be so big that, um, that it could take you away from the fact that you're actually alive, and you're loved, and you know, and um, so you can go, okay, that wasn't so fun. But, you know, it's all good because we don't know the next piece that's, you know, you're only seeing a small part of life. And uh, that next puzzle, as it reveals itself, sometimes we're not grateful enough, right? We're grumpy, and then we're kind of like, oh, okay, that's how that worked out. Oh, okay. But instead of going, wah, right? <laughs> so yeah. that's 
over-exuberant all the time. <laughs> Isn't she great? Uh, and this is what I love about you. you. You take so many clouds and you and you do make silver out of them. And, uh, and, and you've done so well with what you've been given too. Your, um, your physiology must be built differently than the rest of us, I think, because, you know, your adrenaline is, you're, you're joy-filled, but your adrenaline's very low and you work so well with horses that way. It's, it's uh, amazing to see. But, just I'll let everybody know that you have a degree in chiropractic, but you've never yes. practiced it in the ways that you were taught in school. Tell us a little bit about exactly. why and so, how. Yeah. So my um my I've done like all kinds of things. At some moment when I think when I was twenty four years old, I had had twenty four jobs and every one of them I loved. <laughs> so <laughs> my my mother my mother kind of directed me and said, you know, hon, you're gonna have to choose like one thing. <laughs> you gotta we gotta corral you into something. And so I had danced, I had taught dance, I had partnered with um, medical doctors to do exercise programs for people who were ill um, through biofeedback. And so I had always had this sort of science-y, like high-tech kind of interest, as well as a really organic, like, you know, our bodies, our life should always be steeped in the earth and what's natural and what our bodies know. So when I went into chiropractic, I'd actually been asked to teach exercise on public television as a television show, and I thought it was hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. actually didn't think it was a viable thing, and so I was very, very healthy, and when I went to chiropractic school, I was very injured, and, and it was not by any one thing. It was by chiropractors, actually doctors who had been licensed, watching over student doctors or doctors who were licensed working on me. And because my body was so, I, at least this is my belief, so flexible and so healthy, these things did not, um, were not really part of my healing process. So when I got out, again, more grist for the mill, I got out and I said, wow, you know, I'm oh, like eons worse than when I started. Mm-hmm. So I can't do this to healthy people. So what is my path here? And that's when I really started looking into what is the deeper thing. And again, nothing against any of the education or anything. It was just not my, you know, right. God-given, divine-appointed path. It was to go in this other direction. And as a result, I had had the opportunity to work on crazy, crazy ill people of all different dimensions and also animals as well. And so all of that um, neurology and all of those experiences where, you know, people have either come to me and said, Dr. Karen, you're my last hope, or, you know, Dr. Karen, this is, you know, I'm putting this animal down if you can't help, um, have really, you know, I have a, a big tool bag of things that um, are way, way, way beyond, um, Boy, you know, true. my foundation. And so I'm grateful for that, grateful for that, but also grateful that I, that I am not, um, you know, that there are others taking care of that part of life. Um, yeah, but that's, that's not my, not my path. Yeah. Because you've worked with not only the animals, but you've worked in special ed and autism and people with trauma. Yeah. So your tool bag with people alone is huge, right? You've yes, got a lot of yes, different um, experience. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, uh, yes. Incest and, uh, recovery and yeah, all kinds. Yes. Uh, yeah. All, all, all kinds of, of things. Yeah. So, that, I, yeah. I, so that, Pulling on that experience alone, um, you know, makes me appreciate you. And and I think the listeners will see how um, let's take it to some of you call yourself a, a mammal mechanic. So yes. let's <laughs> I'm always fascinated to hear how um, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous systems in our bodies um, are so um they pull against each other. And I, I think this is where people will understand the traction that you get for the healing that you are able to give. Could you go into that a little bit about the difference between those two? I would love to because, you know, this is like my, my big thing that I love to talk about. So let me start with a teeny story that hopefully will be helpful. This will be the first time I'm using this. Oh. Um, I was teaching in uh, Kentucky at Asbury University and um, Stacy Westfall was in the audience mm-hmm. and she was laughing a little bit while I was um, giving this talk, and it was on sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. And the, the punchline on this is that she started thinking, how was she going to remember this? She kept saying, I don't know. I, Dr. Karen's talking about all this, and I'm not going to remember it. And then she said, she told me later, that she came up with, that she would remember an old oriental saying that people in her household had said. And so she told, well, she wasn't going to tell me, but I pried it out of her, <laughs> that, <laughs> what the saying was. 
And so let's start with this, because she said, a man with a toothache cannot fall in love. Mm. And I said to her, that is brilliant, because the sympathetic nervous system is pain, fight, flight, freeze, fainting. And it's only about those things. And so if one is in pain, if your horse is in pain, you cannot be relationship-oriented, you cannot learn, you cannot digest well, you cannot remember anything from one moment to the next. You or your horse cannot cannot do that, right? So all of because the whole your whole nervous system, we are kind of one nervous system turned on, one nervous system turned off. Right. So if pain is involved, right? The other things about relationship and and what the parasympathetic nervous system is about, which is that good digestion, good learning seeking relationship, being other-oriented, just healing, shining, being able to be full potential cannot be accessed Mm -hmm. if that sympathetic nervous system is turned on. There you go. And, and, you know, that might even sound a little too deep, but if we can even take it to the surface a little higher, I was trying to think how how this relates to what we do with join-up and with the fight-or-flight mechanism in horses and animals. And what you're just describing is that thing that people understand about adrenaline. Um, For example, so maybe you can use some of this to to carry us further into what you're talking about with with the systems. Um, When a horse takes flight, because they are a a flight animal, as opposed to a fight animal or a, a carnivore, when a horse takes flight, their adrenaline goes up. Everybody knows that, right? And um, cortisol levels go up, and and they they jaw tightens. You know, you can see it in their eyes and their jaw and their face that they are their lips are usually tighter. And then when they start relaxing, let's say they've figured out that they're they are in a trusting position again and they don't have to take flight. You see, the first thing you see generally is licking and chewing. That tongue comes out and the adrenaline starts dropping. It's like a dry mouth. Like if somebody frightened you really quickly or you hear a, somebody breaking a window in your house and you're you're frightened and then you found out, you know, it was just the kid next door with a baseball or something, uh, but you, baseball comes through the window, you, your adrenaline drops then and you realize that you have a really dry mouth. So that, in my mind, is a really clear um, vision of fight or flight and how our system either goes internal to to all the blood goes to uh, the exterior or the interior, right? Am, am I on the right track with you this parasympathetic? Absolutely, absolutely okay, take it from there because that's all I know. <laughs> yes. So basically, when you're in the sympathetic nervous system, um, no matter how we want to say this, like how little or how great, you're still in it in a great way because the body is, even for chronic pain in a horse or a human or any animal, chronic pain is still delivering those, all of those hormones, all of those things in either small or big ways. And so it, that is exactly it. And you notice that the posture changes, right? And I think for me, that's a really big thing. When you look at how it's almost like a horse's posture or even a human's posture, animal's posture, almost inverts, right? When they are in that sympathetic nervous system, things are tightening that shouldn't be tightened. And basically that's what happens. The body is pulling blood from the digestion, pulling blood from any of your day-to-day activities, thoughts, right? Focusing the mind with all of the hormones that are being released on what and only what the only question is how am I going to survive this? Yeah. And and how, right? How? Am I going to flee? Am I going to fight? Am I going to faint? Am I going to freeze? Mm-hmm. And that's the, those are the only things. And then exactly like what your dad does with join up, right? He starts to create that change neurologically. And there are all kinds of things we could talk about, about like neuroplasticity and all of the things that your dad is actually kind of neurologically creating, but let's just talk about those nervous system things that he is basically wooing in a way, right? Creating an environment of such trust that you see it in a moment almost where that sympathetic nervous system turns off and the parasympathetic nervous system turns on. The horse's eyes dilate. They start to lick and they look at him 
and they re- and all of that trust and relationship stuff, which is deep, deep, deep in that parasympathetic nervous system, is available and comes forward, you know, towards your dad and all of the people who use, use you know, the that. tools that he so brilliantly teaches. Well, that's that trust system. So now tell us about a little bit about the tapping technique or how you get that um, animal or whomever you're working with, that patient, to switch from their sympathetic to their parasympathetic and, and release that, uh, that ability to start to heal. Tell us how you do that. So for me, there's kind of a, a number of ways to access that parasympathetic nervous system. Most of the clients that I'm dealing with have um, in the horses and whatever animals and people, but let's, we can talk about horses for right now, that um, they are a lot of times really tapped into their neurology is to into a go-to place that if they're not in the sympathetic nervous system, it's the first place they go. But mm-hmm. many, if not probably 80% or more of the clients that I see in horses um, are in that sympathetic nervous system all the time. One of the ways to access in any mammal that parasympathetic nervous system starts to switch that over is to walk in the heel. So Mm -hmm. we have already neural pathways in the body that when we're safe, when a horse is safe, it'll hit the heel first and come off the toe. Every time it hits the heel, that parasympathetic nervous system, that calm, trust, relationship-oriented nervous system is being affirmed. And so hoof care and making sure all of, you know, how the horse strikes the ground is a big deal. So mm-hmm. taking that forward, there are things that I look at in, in beings, in horses, to say what is the block, what is in the way of this being expressing its full potential through its nervous system. Mm-hmm. Now, there are times that we have remapped our nervous system and we can do that pretty readily. You and I've talked a little bit about that, how in the past that, that say for, you know, someone who has experienced war or animals who have experienced deep abuse, even when you offer them sometimes things that would normally work for other mammals, our neurology is so incredible in keeping us alive and horses as well, that it can remap remap, go over what is normal and natural into something that's not normal. So, Mm -hmm. for example, the release as a reward, sometimes in the horses that have been incredibly abused, the release is actually drives them deeper into the sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So, in some horses, they have basically, and, and it's neural, it's not like they just learned it, it's actually in that neurology to keep them if somebody hasn't used that properly, right? Somebody has overridden their neurology. So mm-hmm. for me, I look at all of these different factors in a horse and look if the top line is dropped and what's moving and what's not moving and really look to see where, where, what nervous system they're in, how mm-hmm. that nervous system is working and how it's built. And then with the tapping, either start to change the pattern of how that horse can actually, our human can actually start to access that parasympathetic nervous system, how it is that we can most, not I want to say most efficiently, I guess, but maybe offer in service to them, how is it that we can remove the pattern or remove the block that they're actually carrying physically, that's also carried, you know, emotionally as well, and remap that neurology for them to be normal and natural, which is, Almost 100% of the time, we're supposed to be in the parasympathetic nervous system. Only mm-hmm. when something comes to eat us or whatever are right. we supposed to go in the sympathetic. And that happens, as you know, way too often in our lives for animals. Stress. You know, for yeah. Now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We're not built for this. We were never built for this the way mm-hmm. we live. But that's, that's that ushering. And so the tapping... Um, with that, a study came out many, probably almost 30 years ago, that the weight of an American nickel is all that's required to move basically a joint in a human body. And so there's very little pressure when you find in the right place because the body is always seeking its highest potential. Mm-hmm. So you have, I, I look at things as that we're not, we're not manifesting that potential because there's something in the way. This is not normal and natural for us. So let's kind of move what's not normal and natural for the horse or, again, for the being, let's move that aside and see how they can really 
start to express themselves in that parasympathetic nervous system. And, you know, bodies change before their eye, you know, top lines move and, you know, shoulder movement becomes huge and they step under themselves and, you know, they become brighter. And one of the big things is, you know, a lot of times, you know, mammals' eyes will dilate and back to what you asked about with your dad. Yeah, they start licking and chewing, not always, but, you know, there's just great uh, indicators that they've switched over in that nervous system. And the big thing for me is that healing nervous system the body wants that more than anything else. So that the body will try beyond anything else to try to hold on to that, whatever it's just been given, and work from that instead of going back. Because everyone asks me, well, why don't, why don't you know, this isn't going to last. Mm-hmm. The thing is the body, if you set it up properly, will just go and go and go and heal and heal and heal and heal with that open door. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, it just sounds so logical, Karen. Too, and I, I, I hope people that will explore some of the, uh, some of the efforts that you've made to bring this to people. You've studied with some of the great masters. I, I was looking at the list on your website, which people should go to, drkarenhanks.com. Um, um, you've been all over the world. Tell us a little bit about the travel, and and uh, let's brag on you a little bit about who asked asked you to get around and, and help them out. This is, I know you're, you're, you're calling from uh, Nevada right now, but I know you live in Arizona, but trips to Italy seem to be pretty prevalent, and Kentucky, and tell us a little bit about this year's plans. This year's plans. Well, um, in the next few days, it looks like I'm going to, I just got, actually, I just got the text message just a little bit ago that I'll be going back to Italy soon. Um, I work for a gentleman there who's on the Italian jumping team. And um, and in the past, I've worked for uh, world-class Rainer, who was a client of mine, uh, won the national, okay, reserve champion in the world and won the national twice. I can tell you that I work for Pat and Linda Pirelli. They're awesome because they promote me and Kate and their son and, and their dogs and their horses and their themselves. Farrier, um, Molly, Jim Crew, you're the farrier. Yes, Jim is, yeah, Jim is a, is a dear friend. And um, I uh, just got back from teaching a little while ago in, uh, I was taught in the Kentucky Horse Park and I teach for Colleen Kelly. And so mm-hmm. we did some fun stuff there at Asbury University and, yeah, so this year's shaping up. It's looking like uh, Utah, Minnesota, Florida. Um, and like I said, I'll be off to Italy in just a little bit. And yeah, so it's just awesome. I'm, I, and of course, I had the opportunity to you know, spend a little time with you and your mom and dad. And um, I'm just always grateful. And, you know, um, for me, I just feel like what I want to say, every horse is famous, you know, in my eye. I, I am in such deep awe and um, gratefulness that I can be in service to um, these animals wherever uh, my divine appointments show up. And so um, for me, everyone's a, you know, a rock star, if I want to say that. And yeah. and their owners also for being open to, usually they know something is going on, to being open to embracing me because it is a very different thing. Um, and so I'm always very grateful that they offer that, you know, to their to their animals. Yes, that they yeah do make that commitment to the animal, um, but I mean obviously you've proven yourself and the animals respond. I I love that about animals they they don't have the ability to lie. So if you see them um, switch over to that um, that soft eye and that relaxation and uh, you know they're healing and uh, you know they're they're not making it up. <laughs> right. And every time, like you know, they whinny when I come, and they're different every yeah. time, and they're better and younger, and you know, we've just seen this, you know, that their bodies change, and yeah, yeah. and for me, and then they're more relationship oriented, and they're, you know, they're, and, their, and their partners just get so much more fun out of them, whatever they are, whatever they're, how they're interacting with them, and so for mm-hmm. me, it's yeah, it's a real gift. I'm, I'm. I love to show up to my job every day. <laughs> yeah, it's great. You know, it's not a job. That's why. Well, uh, so if so, obviously you get around and and uh, people know that you world travel, so they'll have to look you up and see um, how they could might be able to get you um, to their horse if they are inclined. And uh, I would. I would love to have you back and tell us a little bit about some of the stories of some of the horses that you have on the road. I think that would be fascinating to people. Do you have one story for us that you like particularly share a success story of late? Oh gosh, there's just so many. Um, uh, well, let's see one story. I don't. Uh, I can tell you 
um, a, a recent, well, I don't know. Gosh, can I tell two stories? Yeah. <laughs> there's, so there's, there's um, a woman who called me who doesn't live near her horse. She lives on the East Coast and her horse is um, boarded somewhere else. And um, I got a phone call from the person who was taking care of the horse and said, you know, we heard about you and we'd love for you to come and take care of this horse. And um, he had had all kinds of problems. And he was a former very high-level bred dressage horse. His you know, dad had been flown in from the Netherlands, you know, to breed with, and, you know, it was a big deal. And I showed up and, um, they told me they were going to put the horse down. So they said, oh. you know, thanks for coming. Um, we want to just get him comfortable, but we're going to put him down in like a week or two. Mm. And I really sat there and, um, and I had a friend who, uh, who, who I've been training with farrier work and we, we worked on this horse and he is still alive and he is getting better and better and better. And the entire, all of the people who witnessed this, have been in tears of joy because they didn't want to put him down. He's young. And um, he's had like a very, very big turnaround. And again, this was just neurology, right? Just, and they had tried everything. And so for me, again, not, not for a story for me particularly, but what a gift for me to be able to say, I know we can do better and I know we can change this. And now I think we've got not that many treatments, maybe four or five treatments. He gets a, you know, some visit with me every, I don't know, a month or two. So we're probably four or five months into it, maybe six. And he's a different guy. Actually, the last time I drove up to the barn, I actually didn't even recognize him. He was running around. And this was a horse who was not able to even walk, who would stand and not eat. So that was a real victory, backyard story. And then um, I had the opportunity to work with a horse who's now retired called Wisdom in the Dirt. And he had had a big injury. Um in the um, in the show world, and um, they thought he would never rain again. And I had the opportunity to work with him, and I think we put two treatments on him, and he had been not raining for eight or ten months, and they had taken him everywhere, and everyone said, "No, he's done." And uh, they took him to Las Vegas, and he won everything, and it started his raining career again. And so things like that are just awesome, right? Yeah, I, everybody has a bit of a story, and not all of them end up as happy as that. So I'm really, really glad you shared that too. Yeah, and we look yeah, forward to hearing some more stories too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, again, we love happy endings, right? Some when magic is great. I I keep feeling like, okay, if I just had one of these, right, life is worthwhile. But uh, I, I've been blessed with a few more than that, and I'm very grateful. Uh, hopefully that uh, we start to embrace some of the science that you've got behind this so that lots more horses can be saved too. There's just, there's a lot of tradition out there and we've got a ways to go, but that's what keeps us getting up in the morning and, and having fun with this business, right? Isn't that true? Well, you know, I hopefully I can make you chuckle over this because I keep thinking if in fact uh, this was my divine plan, um, why on earth did I show up as a small blonde woman? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yes, I did. I did chuckle on that. No, I, I, you know, you know where I see this. I, this is off the topic a little bit, but I do see this in, um, you know, Brazil and some of the Latin American communities, which are so male dominated. Dominated is probably odd for. Um, like Jen, our producers on the line here now, and and Karen, we're all women uh, of a certain age, and we we've been around horses our whole life, and we just accept that the the horse industry is dominated by women in our world. Even you go to England, Germany, it's it's a lot of women in, in it. There, it's about the polar opposite. It's about ninety five percent men. What is so fascinating to watch is these little women who are jumping in there with concepts that they can use that are not uh, brute strength and they're not aggressive and they're getting better results. They're getting more effective results with their horses, whether it be in, you know, veterinary medicine or whether it be in training. And, um, and they're starting to pay attention and the guys are taking on what I love about it is not picking on the guys. They're taking it on as, um, sort of a new badge of honor that they have, uh, they have a, a communication with their horse. They have relationship with their horse that is um, something that they never knew could happen. You know, it's just like turning a light bulb on in their heads that, oh, I could be the 
best at horse whispering, or I could be the best at communicating with my horse in the round pen without the domination. And uh, so this allows for women to kind of come in the back door in those cultures where they haven't traditionally gone before, because there isn't that big strength needed. But that's a long story to say, yeah, isn't no, it I- cute that you're blonde and small? I know. <laughs> I love that. That's um, one of the trips that I was in Italy. The one farrier we were talking, and he was so cute because he was arguing with me in Italian and English and Italian and English. <laughs> and then when I finally explained it to him, he goes, he said to me, oh, "You're right." And I was like, "Yes, <laughs> it was so good." And he changed every. He changed everything. And I had that moment where I thought, "This is why I show up." Just what you were saying, right? This is why we show up. Yeah, it's awesome. It's exciting. It really is. It really is exciting. Well, it's exciting having you on here. I'm so glad that you made time for us. I should tell people that she is sitting in the corner of a hotel and on her cell phone, uh, making great effort to give us this interview and, and imparting your wisdom. I really appreciate it, Dr. Karen Hanks. Oh, Debbie, thank you so much. It is always a gift to be able to share time with you and wisdom and insight. Thank you so much. Whisper. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the If I'm riding my horse near trees or hedges, I must be very careful to watch for plastic bags. If my horse sees one fluttering in the breeze, he wheels and runs in the opposite direction. It is dangerous and I have no idea what to do. Monty's answer. Regardless of the phobia targeted, the plastic bag can be a great tool for us in our effort to eliminate the fear. I have found it effective to use a light bamboo cane about 8 feet, 2.5 meters long. The ones I use are about half an inch or 12 millimeters in diameter and light enough for a small lady to handle with ease. You can typically buy these inexpensively at a garden center. A plastic shopping bag can be attached to one end of the pole using a rubber band to secure it. A second rubber band can encircle the plastic bag to hold it close to the pole so that it doesn't fly around in the breeze. I start out simply by scratching the horse all over his body with the end of the pole that has no plastic bag on it. The plastic bag is on my end of the pole under my arm. Working with the pole, I touch the horse until he accepts it anywhere I want to stroke him with it. When I see the horse relax, I take the pole away. If the horse tends to be frightened and elevate his adrenaline, the pole must continue to approach him. He soon learns that the way to get the pole to go away is to relax. When my horse is standing perfectly comfortable through the procedures involving the bamboo pole, I then reverse the pole and repeat the process with the end covered by the lashed down plastic bag. When the horse accepts this end of the pole, I then remove the second rubber band and allow the plastic to float freely. This will generally evoke a big fear response. I use the same technique of taking it away when he relaxes and bringing it towards him when he's tense. When my horse will stand with one little floating plastic bag, then I attach four, five, or six plastic bags to the same end as the original one. I work to achieve complete relaxation while these bags jump up and down on the back of the horse, rub under the belly, down the legs, and even from the chest up to the jaw, stroking the throat of the horse. If my horse is frightened of birds and things above him, I do a lot of elevating the plastic bags, flying them above his back, and then bouncing them down onto his hips, back, withers, neck, and even the top of his head. When the horse will stand for this procedure, you are well on your way to eradicating fears and phobias of all kinds. Remember that the dually halter is there for schooling should the horse try to blast away at any point in this process. If you feel as though you're getting into trouble, it is appropriate to back down to a level that is attainable and then once more work towards those procedures uh, that the horse finds difficult to accept. At this point, one can begin to target the particular phobia at issue. Obviously, we have by now dealt with the little plastic bag and have begun to eliminate the fear of birds coming from above. Now it is a matter of creating familiarity with the objects listed above. For more great tips, 
go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forum. And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in England, first off, March 5th, 11th, and 19th. He has three tour dates. And then he'll go on to Willemsborg, Denmark, April 9th. Then off to Germany, April 24th and 23rd. And April 30th, he'll be in Germany. And then it's on to Austria, May 5th and May 7th. He'll be in Austria. And then July 17th through 21, he'll be back on the farm. Flag is at farms for Monty's special training. And this one is with the translation in Portuguese. And then August 1 through 5, it's Monty's special training again at Flag is at farms. And then August 22 through September 2nd is that fantastic course that Jamie Jennings, uh, host of the Horse in the Morning, Horses in the Morning show with Glenn, took. And it's called Gentling Wild Horses at Flag is Up Farms. That's a lot of fun. And then um, we just have breaking news that the tickets are available in South Africa for Johannesburg and Cape Town. Two weekends there, Saturday and Sunday, May 28 and 29. And then in Cape Town, it'll be Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, June 4th and 5th. And for all that information, go to um, montyrobertslive.co.za. That's for the South African site. So that's montyrobertslive.co.za. Holy samoli. And if you could not put all of that in your memory banks, you can always go to montyrobertscom where you find all this stuff and more. Or if you're a phone caller, you can call them and get nice folks on the phone who have all the information you need at 805 688-6288. And for details about today's show, you can go to horsemanshipradio.com where you'll find links, photos, and more information about our guests. And we love your feedback. It helps us figure out what to have on the show each time. Right. That's right. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Monty Roberts. And Monty Roberts is a tweeter. So you can follow him on Twitter at Monty underscore Roberts. And can get, you can get the app so that you can have Horsemanship Radio and all of the great shows on the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go. You can go to your app store and download it today. It's quick, it's free, and it's easy. Just search Horse Radio Network. And many thanks to our sponsors, too. IFA.com, Omega Fields, and Monty Roberts University. And be sure to visit all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. (laughs) 